0: Hello, hello, it is Nomi and Dara, and we are in the Holy City with Holy Health, coming to you with another week of good fun and some goofiness and and just being Dara and Nomi together. Which is just a lot of fun. This is like eavesdropping on us. Exactly.
1: We could do this all day. We absolutely could.
0: So this week, last week, we had some fun. We got to discuss um, a little intro to know us better. And this week, we're actually just going to jump into some of the hot topics right now. And I know this is a hot topic because I think that most of my clients have even like mentioned it to me or asked Roof. me. And actually, Dara just had a client, and as she was leaving, she turned to both of us and she's like, so what do you think of intermittent fasting? And we're like, oh, funnily enough, is funnily aware. Listen to our podcast is exactly. what we said. <laughs> we're so going to talk all. about intermittent fasting. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the science and biochemistry behind intermittent fasting. But first, really our goal is always to give you
1: a tiny miniature... Bite-sized dose of spirituality. Right. So I really wanted to discuss intermittent fasting because I felt like we have so many fast days. Like in Judaism, we have so many fast days, and they often come after we've had days of feasting or prior to days of feasting, as if we're trying to get rid of what we ate or preparing to be able to eat a lot more because I like to think in terms of how much can I eat. So I asked my brother, Rabbi Shlomo Ben Zev. You know, is there a connection, um, or what is the connection? Like, what is the purpose of fasting in Judaism? You know, um, because intermittent fasting is such a hot topic these days. Like, you know, it's so funny. Like, here we have these built-in fast days, and yet the rest of the world is now saying fasting is a good thing.
0: Chazal was so ahead of
1: the time. Absolutely.
0: Because we're early adapters, us Jews. That is right. right.
1: (laughs) That is right. So my brother said, though, that really –
0: and I guess this does
1: tie in with what we talk about. Is that the real purpose of fasting, or one of the main purposes of fasting, is that um, it helps us focus on things that are more of a, of a more spiritual nature. We're not focusing on our physical selves. So, and I, you didn't like that. Well, I did like it. You liked it, but you were like I hey, liked it, it, but I was like, okay, that doesn't really tie in with you know intermittent fasting. However, the bottom line is, I still think that even though in Judaism we fast to focus on spirit these you know the spiritual part of ourselves or spiritual things rather than physical things. The bottom line is we still get these great benefits of intermittent fasting that are kind of forced upon us. It's we're getting this forced intermittent fasting that's actually now scientifically been shown to be good for us. So two things pop up there. So in terms of
0: the spiritual like focusing on the spiritual and sort of setting aside the Gashmia, Gashmiut or like the things that are really The things that we tend to focus on in this world, I find that when people do intermittent fasting, that if they are like the foodie types that are like always thinking about food, and this is an emotionally mediated relationship with food, it's not necessarily hunger mediated, Right. that intermittent fasting kind of teaches them that, wait a minute, my hunger, am I really hungry? How does my body actually work? What's going on here? It lets them get in touch with their body more. So if we use it on Judaism as a way to be more spiritual, I would say that intermittent fasting is a way to kind of get in touch with our real hunger and understand what's going on in our body.
1: Well, that makes sense. And also, in addition, one of the benefits shown in intermittent fasting is uh, less brain fog and more mental clarity. So that does tie in with what we're talking about in Judaism, which would be being able to focus on more spiritual things because we right be like we're more dominating and we're clear. <laughs> we're more mentally clear, so we're better able to focus on that. I
0: usually spend most of my fast thinking about what you're gonna eat afterwards. <laughs> um, what am I thinking about? No, I I spend it like how many hours are left? Am I? am I'm, I'm not really hungry usually. I'm generally not hungry on a fast. I right. fast really well. Me too. The minor fast. I do get up and have a cup of coffee, like, even if it's, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And I've you gone to Pilates
0: or, like, a minor sort of workout me on, too. A, on a minor fast. Me too. Um, I actually do feel great. By the end of my fast, me usually, too. I'm, like, bouncing around. I'm like, I could run a marathon.
1: And uh, I'm like, that's so funny because that's how I knew intermittent fasting was for me. Because I was the kind of person at the end of Yom Kippur and be like, let's go running now. Yeah. Like, I always felt great. Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits for some people or that some people do get from fasting is this energy, you know, and whether we want to call it ketone production or what, you know, you're going to talk more about. Biochemistry is so complex. Like, right. One, you're going to talk more about the biochemistry yeah. of it. So
0: I think that, yeah, so I totally get that. Like, I love this. And then there's other people who are like, they dread, dread, dread. Oh, fasting. I know people who think
1: Like, I know people who literally... And this is one thing that I do think we need to say at the beginning is that Nomi and I are bringing you, you know, research that we're finding or that Nomi is getting from her studies or things that we believe we are not doctors. We are not telling anybody what to do. And everybody should discuss with their own doctor or with their own nutritionist, which, if you're not going to Nomi, it should be Nomi. Um, you know, yeah, what, the the ben- what the benefits may be to them, that we're not recommending anything to anyone. We're talking about what works for us. We are here to discuss current trends and you know battle around with the different ideas behind them rather than telling anybody out there that this is something they should be doing. So I just I... know that I've, I feel really good after a fast, so I knew that intermittent fasting would be a good thing for me.
0: So basically, if you're fasting, minor fasts and the major fasts, you're already intermittent fasting. So bravo Absolutely. there.
1: That okay. is right.
0: And if we look at all religions, all major religions,
1: they do have some form of fasting. Wait, and wasn't some of the research on intermittent fasting done with totally. to the Muslim population? Yes, we've actually recorded this podcast. Oh, that before, might be why I and remember and that's that. why you
0: remember that. So, the in terms of looking at like the hormones and physio- physiological effects of long-term fasting, the biggest research comes from observing populations that observe Ram- Ramadan, and um, we've seen
1: that it's safe. That's the one sort of big thing that came out of that research. But we also have to know, I mean, I hate to get graphic, but, like, if you think about how little people ate in the concentration camps in the Holocaust and how thin they were afterwards, yet they still survived and they were still able to do physical labor, a lot of them, like, up until the end, like, it can't be that unsafe, if that makes sense.
0: I'm not even going to go there with
1: that comparison. Fine, 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 fine. fine, fine. I'm going to stick with Ramadan. Okay. (laughs)
0: But um, I think that that one of the things that we see is
1: Nomi's still crossing her legs
0: dara can we pause and i have this problem with my right leg the one that you have crossed over your left leg but you know what it's from i mean we're just going to go on a tangent here because that's the fun part about hanging out with us oh gosh it's almost automatic I go yeah. like I uncross one I cross the other. I know. I
1: feel like we she need to do a podcast just to make me angry. You know,
0: I'm going to sit straight in and my then chair.
1: She's going to ask me why she's having pain somewhere. I'm
0: having pain cuz I ran a lot of miles even though you told me to do it gradually. I did do it gradually. Like I only added a mile each day, but
1: I started out at mile high each mileage day. Okay. Good. I a started mile out at high, high mileage. Okay, we're going to go back to intermittent fasting so, and discuss Nomi's physical problems a little bit. I'm later. still going to cross my legs. I just can't okay. do it.
0: Okay, so in terms of intermittent fasting, what is the, I think we should start with what is like the science sort of Oh, absolutely. What's the biochemistry behind it? And you know what? Part of me was just gonna go like really in depth, and then I realized, you know what? I already passed biochem and I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Exactly. And everybody will be sleeping if she gets to. If you don't like biochemistry, this is a really good time to go throw your like wash into the dryer or to go like make yourself a cup of coffee, and then come back in like two and a half minutes, and Dara will be giving oh God, her I'm... opinion. Yes, because my opinions are far more fun than the biochemistry. But OK, so this is what happens when we eat, and this is what happens when we fast. OK, so we're going to look at the fasting state and the feeding state. We'll start with the feeding state. So when we eat, basically, we're always ingesting more than we need for immediate use. So the extra is stored away, and we store it either as uh, in the liver, as glycogen, or we store it in the body as fat. Now, how do we store it away? The main way that we store it is with insulin. Mm -hmm. Okay, The pancreas pumps out insulin, and this helps our body to either use it for energy or to store it. If we're going to use it for energy, the insulin, think of insulin as like, the friend you go to the party with, and the glucose, as you trying to get in the door, the cell is the club, and then we have an insulin receptor, and that's the bouncer. So the insulin goes to the insulin receptor, and then the insulin receptor ushers insulin into the mitochondria where it is used to make ATP. Okay. Or we just take it over to the liver, we store it as glycogen, or sometimes the liver, it's like, I've got way too much glycogen here, and so then we store it as body fat. That's the basic way that we we use um, glucose. Okay. Now, when we eat proteins, they're broken down to amino acids, they're absorbed, and the extra amino acids can also be turned into glucose and go through that same process. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you do fats in your coffee. Mm-hmm. Why? Because fat doesn't raise insulin levels. Exactly. Minuscule. Minuscule, really negligible but the pancreas doesn't have to produce the same amount of insulin for fat as it does for protein and carbohydrates obviously carbohydrates we produce the most amount of protein now when we fast what happens is we're not producing insulin because there's no food coming in so when our insulin levels decrease the body starts to burn the stored energy it's going to go after that glycogen and after about 24 hours of fasting it starts to go after the body stores. Okay, so first it exhausts the fat in the liver and then it goes after the body stores. Would this be a good time to talk about why the ketogenic diet might be healthy? You We're know, not gonna I'm go gonna, there. Say We're not gonna say that gonna go there. I'm, I'm I, we could totally go there. Right. I've had two biochemistry professors like PhDs in biochemistry. Yeah, okay. why do we force why would we ever want to force the body to use ketones when the body's naturally wants to use glucose? Because
1: according to Dr. Perlmutter and other people, yeah. the brain can run really, really well. The brain actually runs better on fuel. That, so you're fuel telling that me that, like, evolution and everything
0: that the body has, like, figured out how to do and the way that it naturally settles itself is that we've actually, as humans, figured out no, you know a what better I, you know and what superior
1: ha- way than what the body naturally you does? You know what I think it is? I think we've because... messed up our sources of food. So much mm-hmm. by giving hormones and get you know to our animals and get, make forcing them to eat things they wouldn't normally. Wait a eat. minute, hold on. And I think we've messed up our fuel. You know, I think we've just messed up our fuels. You know. Fuel I just want to qualify that you
0: can give hormones to, for example, people are like hormones chickens with hormones, or you'll see on a package it says like hormone free chicken. Guess what? You're not allowed the to grain, put hormones
1: in, the grain. in chickens. Right. You're giving them, I think it's in the grain and in the feed. I, I don't know enough about it, but I think it's in the grain and in the feed.
0: That's I did I this class. Doing. I'm going to look at my notes. Okay, fine. Okay, I believe <laughs> Okay, back to
1: intermittent fasting. Sorry, we could go off on tangents all day.
0: We could also start fighting about keto, like a fist fight. Exactly. That's why I'm crossing my legs. Exactly. I have no other ways to. Um, I'm always going to say when it comes to like these things like these trendy diet things, whether it's intermittent fasting or keto or, I don't know, like Whole30, I really believe very strongly that you do not need a diet or a lifestyle that has a name
1: that can be trademarked. Yeah, that's why people like to call it high-fat, low-carb.
0: I believe very much like in common-sense lifestyle, and I think that we have to figure out from a biochemical individual perspective okay, what agree. do you need... I
1: fully agree with that every person's different, and that's why I refer everybody to know me. Back to intermittent fasting.
0: Because, yes, for example, I'm just going to say there are some genetic variations that should not be on a keto diet.
1: Right, and there are some that absolutely should.
0: And there's, seizures, that's the biochemical, vari- and not all seizures are responsive, by the yeah, way. Yeah, 100%. John Hopkins has kind of an amazing,
1: true.
0: but not all are responsive, true. or that they're temporarily 100%.
1: responsive. That is 100% true, because I know somebody whose child was not responsive to that. And so.
0: there are But it's some... also very, very
1: hard to keep people strictly, in ketosis is extremely difficult. Yeah, that's part of it. So I think that we have to look too far away from intermittent fasting yet? Yeah, we have. Uh, Back to what you were saying, I'm sorry.
0: Okay. so we've got what we understand now what goes on in a fed state versus a fasting state. The biggest question that people ask me and I don't ever endorse intermittent fasting. I can bring it up if somebody brings it up, if it's an idea, if it's something to experiment with. I put out two qualifiers. Number 1, this is not a long-term the rest of your life way of being. Ideally that you should be able to have like a ebb and flow to your nutrition. It should not be like this like sort of stringent unless you have a specific dietary need because you're whatever, allergies or some sort of heart disease that you really have to be on a very specific type of diet. You should be able to sort of like go back and forth. And that's the idea with intermittent fasting is making your body go mm-hmm. back and forth efficiently between a fed state and a fasting state without disrupting your basal metabolic rate. So, why doesn't it disrupt your basal metabolic rate? Because we all know that if you restrict calories, what's going to happen? Your body's all like, oh, a famine's coming, or I don't have enough food, so I need to suppress. Um, all of the hormones that are going to quench my hunger. I'm going to make you feel hunger. so you're going to produce more ghrelin initially. You're going to be like looking for food. You're just going to start to feel cold as your basal metabolic rate drops. Your body's slowing down your metabolism to compensate for the lack of food. And a lot of times what happens is people end up doing these like diets where they end up eating every two hours, but they're restricting their calories. And the people who are really big um, advocates for intermittent fasting say that this is problematic because what you're doing is you're reducing your caloric intake, but you're eating every two hours, so you're keeping your insulin high, and right. that is not letting your body access those glycogen stores that are in the liver and subsequently the fat stores that are in the body. So the thing about intermittent fasting is having this distinct period of eating versus a distinct period of non-eating. and the one thing I wanted to just throw out was when I was training at Duke, we had a nurse who was part of the Duke um, Oncology Center, and she said, she shared with us that they tell all patients who are in remission that they should be not eating for a minimum of 12 hours a day. And really, this is something that our, all of our digestive systems yeah. are not made to function nonstop. You know, I... Meet people, or I've heard of people who sometimes get a you know midnight snack. That idea, and the body needs to rest. The digestive system needs to rest. Digestion is an extremely taxing process that the body goes through, extracting the nutrients, regulating all the hormones. Eating all the time, noshing all the time, it's not what your body wants. Now, you know, caveat, okay, unless you're hypoglycemic. Okay. Then, then you have, then you sometimes
1: have to but eat more frequently. But you do better eating li- things that that cause the body to produce less insulin? Let's put it that way. Does that make sense? Meaning, I know because my mother's hypoglycemic, and I'm talking 25 years ago, 30 years ago. I remember her saying she did far better if she ate nuts or she ate protein because it allowed her body to be more regulated. This was 30 years ago. This yeah. is Nothing to do with any kind of diet, any kind of anything. Just to be with hypoglycemia because it kept her blood sugar levels more even.
0: Definitely. Well, whenever we eat like high carb things or refined carbohydrates or things that have a high glycemic index, then we're going to have that sudden blood sugar spike. And and people feel that. You know, you eat a huge meal, you're going to feel kind of like that drowsiness the next day or the the next hour, probably. Right. A lot of people notice that. Well,
1: interesting. I want to tell you that I want to say this must have been, I was in America because I would never go to any acupuncturist besides my father. So I must have been in America because my father told me to look up an acupuncturist who might be an MD in an acupuncturist because I have I was having some little issue. But in addition, I also wanted to try it for weight loss. Okay, if we ever want to do a fun show, we could discuss all the crazy dieting stuff. Oh my gosh, anyway, next week, people! Yeah, now, next, next next podcast. <laughs> so um, I went to this guy, and I remember one of the first. And this was when it was really big. Everybody was saying five to six meals a day. That's what everybody was saying. right. That used to be the total exactly. diet. Problem. So I'm going to say this must have been 20 years ago or 18 years ago, something like that. And the doctor said to me, and he was a normal, he was a regular MD doctor that also, you know, had gone through Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So he had a
0: different perspective than most MDs. Exactly, and
1: he right away, and he the first thing he said to me was start eating two meals, maximum three meals a day. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, you know, in America. Us. The Bomb says two meals a day if you're
0: healthy, three if you're unhealthy, or if you're, like, a pregnant, lactating nursing woman, I think. I'm not sure. I just want to say everything I'm, the Bomb yeah, Rambam says, Rambam's and we're gonna always
1: try to throw in something that the Bomb says, because everything he says, he's, like, so ahead of his time. So I like it. So genius. So you know what the guy said to me was? Mm-hmm. I was like, but in America, I'm like, this is the biggest thing, and they're saying research. He said, look around. Everyone in America is fat. Like, <laughs> look around, you know. They don't know what they're talking about, and I have always remembered that. I think it's really what, what I think is the
0: most frustrating for me when it comes to all of these dietary trends is that people start sort of like thinking, should I do this? Should I not do this? They've already got a complicated, a lot of times people already have a complicated relationship with food and right. weight. And it really just takes them away from that intuitive style of eating, that intuitive way of listening to your body and saying, you know, like, oh, I should eat now. Like where people will say, well, I have to eat every two hours. Well, right. So I'll eat like rice cakes with like some low fat cottage oh cheese. Right. And I'm like, "Do you like rice cakes?" Right. Because But also
1: rice cakes on the glycemic index are, are like really de- high. They're death. totally 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 death on the glycemic index, though. So.
0: But they're not even I would say like intuitively we should want to eat yummy food, good food in the right portion. If we're not feeling well, like whenever kids are sick, what do they do? They don't want to eat. It's true. Because naturally, their body is like going into that healing, fighting mode. Their body does not need to be in digesting mode. What happens when you're stressed? Not if you're a stress eater. That's because you've overridden the natural response. A lot of times, it's an appetite suppressant. That cortisol release that comes with stress is an appetite suppressant. So I really want to advocate that no matter how you use intermittent fasting, whether you're just doing it on the minor and major fast days, whether you're just doing i know people who just do it on the major fast days, Or you're using it and taking that 12-hour period every night. Maybe you're extending it to 14 to 16. Maybe you're fasting under the supervision of a doctor for longer periods of time, because that's the recommendation to manage your type 2 diabetes or whatever. Any period, I would say, of longer fasting really has to be under the supervision of a doctor.
1: Makes sense.
0: Yeah, like just be
1: smart about it listen to your so, body. So one of the things I wanted to talk about or you know that I was going to bring up was that there are you know when people are talking about intermittent fasting in terms of I guess the way we talk about it today where people are using it as a tool, people have heard that intermittent fasting is a is a good thing and there are so many ways, there's so many different styles of intermittent fasting. Um, That's so
0: interesting because I was reading research for school on intermittent fasting. And in a lot of the research, they don't even call it intermittent fasting. They call it intermittent calorie restriction. Mm -hmm. And they compare it with continuous calorie restriction, which is like 1,200 calories a day, seven days a week. Versus two days a week of really low calories, like 500 calories, Mm
1: -hmm. compared to five Mm
0: -hmm. days a week of... Regular calories like not restricted That's one at all of the things.
1: I'm going to talk about it. Right? Go for it. Okay, fine So the most common one This is the one I think is the most common one that most people when they talk about intermittent fasting I think do they usually think of it as something like 16 8 like 16 hours of fasting and then eight hours of eating um, and um, that I think is the most common method of the way people fast, because I believe, and again, this is back to you and the biochemistry, I think it's after 14 to 15 hours of not eating that the body begins to produce ketones. Like, isn't that one of the... What the biochemical science says. I think it's fourteen to sixteen hours.
0: Um, I well, <laughs> I know that it only goes into glycogen exhaustion or depletion, maybe depletion that's what it is. Depletion after twenty four hours. And I, okay,
1: fine. So it's so interesting. There was something... To get into
0: ketosis, it's really I think it's hard.
1: Well, it's not so easy, but it was yeah. one of the benefits of intermittent fasting. Um, I thought occurred after sixteen hours, and when you speak again in a minute I can, you know, look it up. Luckily, you know the what of time you Google, speak I'm I'll going on the research go, library you go for school. Research library and look at it. Okay, fine. So another way of you know people may fast is what you just spoke about, which is five two, where you'll eat normally for five days a week, and then two days a week you just restrict calories to about five to six hundred. I mean, to me the problem there would seem to be that when you do, exactly like what you talked about, when you do eat, but when you eat very few calories, that to me I think is where it's more problematic. Of you know, issues of metabolism and slowing down basal metabolic rate. If, so I if, don't if the know... mediating factor is insulin. Okay, right. So, meaning if you're restricting your calories to five to 600, you're getting that little bit of insulin. But you're I mean... doing it in one slot. You're
0: not doing it. Okay, I guess you may be
1: right. I just see restricting the calories to five to 600. And it, what I looked at didn't say when. It just said five to right. 600 calories in a day. But I see what Oh, yeah, what you're, you're saying. right. That's interesting. If you make it just like, let's say, one meal of five to 600 calories a day for those two days, that would seem more like what you're talking about, where you're getting that 24 hours, right? Right, where you're doing where where you're, you're going two days into that.
0: Right. exactly. Okay, Everybody you, following that? There was a lot of rights, 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 and hand motions between me and Dara. Exactly. You didn't see the hand motions? What? You're
1: talking with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that would be the five, the five two. Then there's an eat stop eat, which would be like a 24 hour fast. We have some of those in Judaism, right? Where you eat dinner, don't eat anything until dinner again the following day. Um, then there was alternate day fasting where you would say do a full day of fasting every other day, and then on the non fasting day, you would eat, you know, I guess whatever you consider to be regularly. Um, then there was something called the warrior diet that was popularized by someone named Uri Humfelder, I think his name was. And he believed that you would eat like a small amounts of like fruit and vegetables you could have during the day, like it was small amounts of fruit and vegetables. But then you would have one huge meal at night. Um, so basically, it was kind of like fasting during the day and then eating for about a four-hour window at night, a huge meal. Um, and then spontaneous meal skipping, which was when you know when it suits you. I can't eat lunch now, so I skip a meal, or you know, occasional meal skipping. Um, but I think one of the big things is what really constitutes a fast. Can you eat nothing? Can you eat something? So that's actually when I
0: was looking through the research, I had a really hard time finding a there's not really like she, one protocol. Naomi's
1: looking for the science whereas I'm looking for what is it say on a lot of different google sites. But Don't
0: google anything. <laughs> right. No,
1: so I really think that what you talked about having things in my opinion, and again this is just my opinion, that anything that is not going to cause the pancreas to secrete insulin to me, I think should be okay in small amounts during whatever period you consider fasting that's
0: what like dr fung who is like right he's like,
1: guru, is, like the fasting yeah. guru right
0: now so that's what he says um i'm going to tell you like just listening to all those descriptions of fasts they sound like torture yeah they do I'm not sound do. fun Sixteen eight, no problem like no, i'm actually i'm not really hungry at like i'm not i just i don't wake up hungry i go for a run i'm not hungry after I've had trainers tell me you need to eat after I I I listen to my body. And but that's the
1: most. That's the that most idea.
0: Moment. Like I feel like I would dread my life if I like woke up. I'm like, it's a fast day again. I exactly. agree, and then like the next day is like eating, like, eating day, and then fasting day. I think and then it would day.
1: almost be easier to fast for three days in a row than having once a week where you can't eat for 24 hours. Does that I make sense? But I think because it gets easier, it, you I think... get less hungry. They say after day two, you know who we should really ask. My son, Nathaniel, who last year in survival week for his mechina, rather than eat dates, almonds, chalva, and tchina, chose to really eat nothing for the four days of survival week. So he must have been surviving on ketones or something because he finished- Fear. He was surviving on fear. Fear and ketones because he finished running and carrying the stretcher. So he survived on something and it wasn't food. There's definitely a point, like there's days- You know, I just
0: me learning to, like, manage my family schedule and work schedule. And there's days yesterday I came in here, and I'd forgotten to eat breakfast. And then I had meeting after meeting. So in between, I ran down, and I got some nuts. But by the time I got back up here, my next person was already ready to meet. So I didn't eat. I just drank a gulp of soda water. And I really didn't eat until the afternoon. But I got to that point where, like, I wasn't hungry because I'd been hungry and then I missed that window of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I've had, yeah. But I got, and I felt fine. I could, that was, like, one off. And it's, like, as long as it doesn't trigger um, a binge, because I think that some people that could trigger. So I went home. I made some tofu. I drank some water. I was actually quite thirsty. So it kind of was like a minor fast. But I think that you do definitely get to a point where you're just not hungry. Your body's kind of like, OK, you're not feeding me. I'll okay. chill out. Do so you want to hear something funny?
1: Yeah. I totally forgot what I was talking about before we went off on this station. You were talking about your son not eating. No, before that. Well, oh, before that, we were talking about, about? Right. So what I did find on most of the websites that I looked about that talk about intermittent fasting was most people consider like plain black coffee you know, non-caloric beverages uh, and water. Was yeah, because you don't lose insulin. Yeah. Green tea, herbal
0: tea, plain black coffee, water, all of those exactly. are acceptable. Exactly, those types
1: of things, not diet soda. Diet know. soda's it not... Yes, garbage, both of us are in full agreement on that. And Total. artificial sweeteners in general. You know, we'll do another show on artificial sweeteners. We'll do another show on artificial we'll sweeteners. On which artificial... ones are okay yeah. and which ones are not, and or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing artificial. Um, but... Back to what we were saying so that, you know, again, but I really do think the end of the day, it comes down to if, if intermittent fasting is right for you, if it feels right for you, if it works for you, how do you feel when you're doing it? So for me, for example, what time is it now? It's 2.30. I haven't eaten anything since, I don't know, 7.30 last night. I've been sipping this iced coffee that has MCT oil in it, Stevia, mm, and tasty. a little bit of cream. It's delicious. Do you want to taste some? <laughs> no, I am going to make Nomi taste it live. I don't. I taste don't. it, Nomi. Taste oh, it. I don't, drink the coffee, Nomi. But I don't share drinks with people. Uh, so okay, open fine. Cup. Fine, open the cup. You don't want to drink through the straw. You don't want to. It. It's <laughs> delicious. I've literally I'm a been germaphobe. Si- I've been sipping it since early this morning, and I'm fine. I'm not even hungry. I'm oh, in. I'm not even hungry. Isn't that pretty good? It is pretty good yeah, it's yummy. okay fine. It's pretty good. okay. So I've been sipping this Boy. since early this morning. You know, I make this iced coffee thing, which is not as big as it looks because I really only fill it. Nobody else could see this. to so there, the rest is really filled with ice. Um, and I just like sip it throughout the day and I'm really fine. Like I haven't eaten it. I'm really fine. But are you but are you people... ever hungry? I think if I get a little hungry, I take a sip of coffee and I'm fine. Like, and then I'm really, really okay. And I actually feel mentally clear right now. Mm -hmm. I actually feel pretty good. But I do have friends who literally on fast days will, literally, I have a friend who faints on fast days. Lori Feldstein, that is a shout out to you. Um, (laughs) But like, literally, who will, you know, everybody is different. And that's why I really think that with anything we talk about or anything we say, everybody should be evaluated with their own doctor and within themselves. What feels right to them? Because I yeah, don't definitely. think there is a one-size-fits-all approach for anybody. Definitely
0: there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all. Your genes are interacting with your environment, which is unique to you and not at all like anybody else. A lot of times it's trial and error. You know, right. like there may be days where, you know, this kind of long fast works, and there may be days when it doesn't. Or... Right,
1: and that and I think that's an important piece to bring up because there are days where I've woken up and I'm, like, hungry, and it's like, well, I feel like eating something, and I do You know, And I do think that it is, to a certain extent, very, very important to listen to your body. And I did find it interesting because some of the things that I read was that one of the reasons that fasting is supposed to be good is that it's supposed to actually give your adrenals a break or your adrenal glands a break. But interestingly enough, I also found that women that do have problems of adrenal fatigue should not necessarily be fasting. So I found that to kind of be conflicting information. And I found that very interesting. So
0: I think that from some of the initial just like research that I looked over very briefly, I can't attest to study design or really the integrity of the research, but first of all, long-term intermittent fasting for women during their productive years isn't necessarily something that's been studied and it could affect hormones possibly. Remember that insulin doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's interacting with other hormones in the body. And therefore, it is important that um, I really think, I think it's like a short-term or an occasional, I don't think of it as, like, for the next 30 years, because what if this does affect reproductive hormones, and that would be really cabal for somebody to, like, say, okay, I'm
1: fasting, and... So a lot of, some of the information that I have seen is that it has, it is a way to actually help heal people's hormones, that it is, and I think that that's a lot of the research that I believe I may be misquoting that Jason Fung is done on. So I would say that I'm
0: I'm just kind of leaping. Like for example, like with PCOS, which can cause infertility. So one of the a lot of times PCOS insulin is a mediating factor. Right. So we want to work on you know how do we reduce insulin?
1: Maybe Gosh, in okay... the best to reduce insulin.
0: To I know, but
1: okay, I'm listening to you. Yes.
0: I'm gonna cross my legs. Okay. You're not nice to me. Okay. <laughs> so I think that. Right. We have to look at the big picture. Like, we can't just look at, like, focus on insulin because, you know, right now medicine is moving towards this idea. I'm doing my degree in nutrition and functional medicine. I did my board certification um, in health coaching and I trained at Duke and in, in their integrative medicine center. And I really believe that we have to look at a systems, uh, whole system approach. We cannot hyper focus it. So, to really, like, sit there and, like, point at insulin, I think that I'm going to just quote one of my classmates this week. She calls, we were talking about something else, and we were calling it the Goldilocks effect. It's really the right amount. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's the right amount. That makes sense. So if we hyper-focus on like bringing down these insulin levels, perhaps we're going to negatively
1: impact other factors, and we don't know that. That's true. You're right. So they haven't done enough, you know, research and studying. I guess they haven't done enough of the research long term over many many years to see, you know, what really will be the effect. Because
0: you know, it's another way to like increase, for example, insulin sensitivity. Exercise. There are other ways other than um, food to work with
1: insulin production and how your body receives it. That's true. And that's why, you know, somebody who's, let's talk about a type 1 diabetic, you know, they have to adjust their insulin levels based on how much exercise they're doing. So that does absolutely. And I'm a big believer in exercise. We know. We're all big believers in exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to just say one more thing because I think we really talked about what we wanted to talk about in terms of intermittent fasting. But I read on Chabad.org, again, going back to maybe why, in Judaism, you know, some different ideas of fasting. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we fast, I would say, I guess, on Tisha B'av, um, is, you know, to remember the destruction of the Beit HaMegdash. Um, and so, you know, it's not our fault, right, that the Beit HaMegdash was destroyed. Um, so the people at the time of the Beit HaMegdash refused to listen to the Nabiim, who warned them you know, that they needed to change what they were doing and change their ways. But today, we still have to suffer the consequences of these people that came before
0: Well, because maybe we're we'll Gilgalim also. It might be our fault. Okay, it could be. So maybe we're Tiko. Okay. I'm a Gilgul. So, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be yet another podcast. Okay. So um, according to Chabad.org, the, you know, Chazal explains that in every generation that the temple has not been rebuilt, it's as though the temple was destroyed for that generation. So if that's the truth, then a fast day isn't really a sad day, but it's an opportune day. It's a day when we're empowered to fix the cause of that initial destruction so that our long exile will be ended and we will find ourselves living in times of Mashiach again.
0: Very nice. Very nice. And you know what? I totally feel at the end of a fast day, like I think a lot of people feel, like it's a reset. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's Somgadalia or whatever that you just feel like, wow, I feel kind of cleaned out, like I did it, day. I made yeah. it.
1: That's I feel, true. I
0: actually feel like, because I'm kind of a, you know, I'm a good faster, I'm, you know, and I really feel like at the end of a fast day, that clarity is, is it's really nice.
1: Absolutely. Physically, spiritually, you know, in any way. So I think so, on that, what are we going to talk about next time?
0: Well, next time, I really think that we should probably bring in
1: David. Oh, that's a great idea. Absolutely. He's such an interesting guy. And I
0: really want to hear
1: about all the diets that Dara's done. So we'll do that maybe the time after. We can talk about all the crazy diets Dara has done. And not really stuck to very many of them, but...
0: That would be I just thing. love food trends. I just want to wanna, like make fun of all the food trends we that have can. happened have since like, 1970, like, whatever. Exactly.
1: exactly. Oh, you're dating me, You're dating <laughs> And if
0: we had a sponsor, who would our sponsor be? So can I just give yes, a shout out to my super day. duper, one of my favorite stores here in Jerusalem? Absolutely. Locally owned, run by a really fun lady. I don't know Hold I Who's that? I don't know. That's the store <laughs> we like to shop in. It's called Poenta Boutique. It is behind Mamila on Shlumpsi and Hamalka. Okay. And it has tons of fun stuff. And how can I tie this to health? Because they have adorable stainless steel water bottles.
1: Oh, nice.
0: And they have other really fun, cute things to just make, fill your house up and make you happy, like rubber duckies. I put one in my living room, giant. And cute I, was, clothes. I thought you were
1: talking, oh, okay, I thought you were talking about a clothing store. Well, they so have everything. Like everything. They have clothes, they have like earrings, kind of like, uh... they have
0: cute kitsch for the house. And they have, like, stationary and funky water bottles. And I love them. You can follow them on Instagram at puenta underscore boutique without a u. OK. And she posts up, up her fun of. stuff. And I want to just say for anybody listening in America, because I know that, for example, Wendy might be coming out here at some point. Oh yeah, If you need them. good gifts to bring back to people in America and you don't want to bring them stuff from Ben Yehuda or the Old City because they already have a Hamsa bracelet and a keychain and a magnet. And a red string. And a red string. You go to pa- Poenza Boutique. A lot of her things, the majority of them are Israeli-designed. Oh, I love it's an it. Israeli-owned store. She's a wonderful woman, and she's got great creative vision. And she's got a lot of stuff with unicorns and glitter, which
1: you can never That's, go wrong. So you can
0: never have too much glitter. Never. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, awesome. I'm going
1: to have to check that place check out. Check
0: it out. So anyways, thanks so much for listening. And off. we are signing off for today. I think that was pretty good. Oh, are we still recording?